Hi, my name is Thad Lanthrop. I'm the executive pastor here at CIV, and I'm glad that you could be here for Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. It, it's great to be able to celebrate moms today. The roles of parenting are among the most fundamental aspects of God's design and it is right to honor our parents. So I'm looking forward to honoring mothers uh, today. And when mothers mother well, it can change the world. So much so that a great impact can happen. Moms can create so much joy for their families. And it, it's just great to be able to celebrate that today. And we'll talk a little bit more about the impact that moms can have in the world later in the message. We are continuing on in our message series called The Difference, where we're looking at the difference that Christianity makes in the world. On Mother's Day, we are looking at the impact that Christianity makes on the worth of women. If you do a quick scan through history and cultures, you would see that... The value and worth of women, it has fluctuated a lot. In some countries, women ruled as queens. In others, they were covered up. They were suppressed. They were used as objects for pleasure and, and just everything in between. And it's not just history that has this fluctuation. It, it's in modern day as well. Back in college, I spent a summer in Afghanistan um, teaching English as a second language to college students there. I had boys and girls in the classes with me. But recently, girls can't go to to school anymore in Afghanistan. They're not allowed to do that. So if I went back and and did that, it it would only be boys. Women have been shut out from the classroom in Afghanistan. And at the same time, in America, we find views like this in Beyonce's song, Run the, Run the World. Who run the world? She says in the chorus, girls. Who run the world? Girls. Who run the world? Girls. I, th- I think you get the point. It would seem that humanity has a hard time getting a stable grip on the value of a woman. That brings us to the question we're asking today. What difference does Christianity make in establishing the worth of a woman. Does Christianity oppress women like some in our culture criticize that it does, or does it help women? We're going to look at two fascinating stories today that highlight Christianity's view on women. In the first, we see that the gospel changes the economy of human worth. Acts 16, 11 through 12 starts off explaining the setting for this first story. It says, So setting sail from Traos, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis. And from there to Philippi, which is a leading city in the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony, we remained in this city some days. This is describing the first time that the gospel is going to Europe. What an exciting time. Paul is taking the message that Jesus Christ came. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for our sins. And we can have a restored relationship with, in, 
with God when we believe in Jesus and accept the free gift of eternal life that God is offering to all of us through his son, Jesus. Now, Macedonia, where they're going, this was an influential Greek area. It was originally settled for its copper and gold, so it was a wealthy area. It had formidable cities, including Philippi, what they're talking about here. Let's continue on and see what happens in the story. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside. Not Riverside, California, to the riverside. Where we, where we supposed there was a place of prayer and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. Now this is significant. What is going on here? Paul typically started his ministry in a city synagogue and he would teach in the synagogue and help people and, and tell them about what Jesus did for us on the cross. So, by him not going to the synagogue, it seems like this city didn't have a synagogue. So he found a place where people prayed. Now, if I was in charge of taking the gospel message to a new continent, I would, it would be huge. I would go big or go home. I would want a big worship service, a big party. We're going to declare this to as many people as we can. We're going to try to get thousands like Jesus did sometimes when he was speaking. But that's not what our God does. That's not what he had in mind. He brings the gospel to the new continent through a little gathering of women. At this time, women were not treated as equally as men. They had some rights in this culture Others, they didn't have any rights, but they had some in, in this culture, but not the same as men. The Pharisees would not even preach to women. They would say things like, God, I thank thee. I am not a Gentile, nor a slave, or a woman. Pretty harsh stuff right there. So some might say this, this isn't a very exciting starting place for the gospel to enter Europe. But it's where God chose to start the spread of the gospel message throughout Europe. Some have accused Paul of being a male chauvinist. Yet here he is spending time with a group of women that most would have overlooked. And as you read about his ministry, he, you see women playing prominent roles in the ministry that, that he had. His approach to women was influenced by Jesus himself, who interestingly first went public that he was the Messiah to a woman who was outcast in her community. Paul, like Jesus, he treated women as equal to men, and, and that bucked the trends of the society they were in. So Paul was teaching this group Assembled by the river, and look what God did next. Acts 16, 14 and 15 says, One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul, and after she was baptized, her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to our Lord, to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. 
Now, here we find out some things about Lydia in these verses. She was a seller of purple goods. Purple is an important color because that was the color of royalty. And so for her to sell purple goods, those are expensive. So she's probably a wealthy merchant. She's also a worshiper of God. That's interesting, right? Because this is where the gospel is coming for the, the first time. Well, she worshiped God, but she never heard about Jesus and what Jesus had done, about how he was the Messiah, the Savior of our sins, and then he died on the cross for those sins. See, earlier, and then another thing we find out is the way that Paul gets to Macedonia is, is, is really amazing. He had a dream where God told him to go to Macedonia. And at the same time, we see Lydia here. She's already a worshiper of God. God was preparing her to hear the gospel message. And he put them two on the same collision course to where she would hear the gospel message and respond to it. She was baptized. And it says her entire household was baptized as well. Maybe your story is something similar. Maybe you're, you're here today and you know there's a God out there. You respect him, but you don't feel like you, you know all the details yet, but you want to know the details. You want to, to be in a right relationship with him. Or maybe God has arranged it so that you are here today and, and, and you're paying attention like Lydia was prepared to pay attention to Paul. I want to invite you to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior today. If you want more information on what, what that means, how to, how to do that, then please check the connection card box that says contact me about beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we'll be in contact and we'll figure out and, and we'll meet and, and we can talk about what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Lydia was most likely a prominent woman in society. The purple goods she sold would have made her wealthy. And she was baptized. And when she was baptized and received Jesus as her Lord and Savior, her identity shifted from wealthy merchant to Christ follower. She's probably still a wealthy merchant and continued on doing that. We don't have any evidence that she stopped doing that. But she was a Christ follower. She had a brother in Christ named Paul, and she started to team up with him to advance the gospel. Later in Acts, after Paul gets out of prison, he goes to Lydia's house where they encourage the brothers. Lydia opened up her home to be a gathering place for the early church in Europe. Isn't that amazing? You know, we're building a church building right now, we're renovating it. And here Lydia was, and her house was that early church building that they were meeting in. At the beginning, we asked, is Christianity chauvinistic, suppressive of women? Well, look, look at this. Look at what author John Dickerson says in his book, Jesus Skeptic. He included a chart that shows the 10 best nations for women's rights. In those nations, 75% of the population is Christian. So there's issues like equal pay, right to vote, right not to be sold into marriage, basic access to education and protection from physical harm. The 10 worst nations for women's rights, 8% of the population 
is Christian. And in most of those nations, Christianity is, is outlawed. Those, that percentage that's there, they are persecuted. They, women in these countries are denied basic rights like driving a car or education. They're sold into marriage. They can endure horrific mutilations and punishments at, at the whim of, of whoever says that they should be punished for something, whether they're guilty or, or not. Women are treated as objects. Paul's encounter with Lydia, it shows us that the gospel changes the economy of human worth. And the next encounter that we have shows us it, it, that Christ followers are called to raise the value of all people, even at a cost. Take a look at this situation. Acts 16, 16 through 24. It says, As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. So as Paul is moved into this new territory in Europe, he's, he's hitting some opposition here. And that, that's typically the case whenever a church or ministry or someone moves into a new area with the, the purpose of starting a new work for, for God. That uh, individual or the, the group of people, they can start to experience some opposition. Our church moved to Ontario in 2018 after 30 plus years in Diamond Bar, California. And what happened over the next, uh, the next few months when we moved was my wife got really sick. She ended up in the hospital a couple of times. And then last year we moved to a new part of Ontario and we're meeting in Celebration Park where we are Right now, she got sick again and had really harsh health situation for six months that that she was going through. Sometimes the opposition comes through health issues. Other times it's relational conflict or there's other ways that the conflict comes. But in this situation with Paul, the conflict is or the opposition is a slave girl who had a spirit guiding her. Children were viewed as an object for profit. And in this case, this girl could give insight that brought the owner's financial gain. Sadly, this is still the case for some people. And most often it's still women and children that are exploited by predators who objectify people for trafficking or pornography or child labor. But this girl, what happened is she started to follow Paul around. And she crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Now, what she's saying is true, but look what's, what's going on. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. This is good news, right? This girl has been enslaved and oppressed by this spirit, and Paul delivers her from that. But it ends up costing Paul and Silas. Look at what happens. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, so this shows that her owners only only cared about her for the money that she could bring them. They didn't care about her as a person. 
So when the owners found out that, that this happened, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Paul noticed this girl, and she she was aggravating him. But he sees the need, the deeper need here. She's being hassled by a spirit that's causing her to do things she doesn't want to do. She's trapped as a slave to these owners. They're exploiting her for her fortune-telling so that they can make money. Paul chooses to heal her because it's the right thing to do, and that comes at a cost to him and to Silas. How does somebody do that? How do you, what perspective do you need to put yourself in harm's way to care for someone else? Well, this type of action happens when Christ followers view all people as valuable because they are made in God's image. Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the Heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. These verses show that God created mankind in his own image. People are elevated to rule over the creation. We're not just another thing in creation, but we're actually our God's creation, but elevated above that. Now, sin has marred this image that God has given us, but it's not taken away the image completely. All of us still bear God's image, even though it is faded by sin. This makes it very clear that God created mankind in his image and that all people, men, women, children, they all have inherent worth. It's easy for us to be like the owners of the slave girl. We can treat people based on what we think they can do for us. Um, can they open a door for us in our career? Maybe we are extra nice when they're around, if that's the case. Or do they really have a, a nice house and they invite people over? We want to be invited over to spend more time with them. So maybe we'll do our best to be around them more often than, than others. We can start to treat people based on what they can do for us. Without the proper perspective on the value of people, anything goes. And we're seeing that in our state. Our state assembly is currently debating and working on a bill where they are deciding how many days after birth you can kill a baby legally. 
It's Bill AB2-1E223. We're not valuable because of what we can do for other people. We're valuable because God has made us. Those babies are valuable because they've been created by God in his image. It's not about what somebody can do for um, can do for us. It's not about what we can do for other people. It's not about our talents or net worth or our career or um, any of that. We're valuable because God has made us. That's the perspective of Christianity that allows us to see all people like God wants us to see them and to love them like God wants us to love them. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Paul was following Jesus' example when he helped Lydia and the, the slave girl. Jesus showed us how this works. He showed us that all people are valuable and we see that men and women team together to advance God's kingdom. Luke 8, 1 through 3 says, Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, is talking about Jesus, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their means. This verse highlights that the team that worked with Jesus to do his ministry throughout the world, the, the ministry of telling people that the Messiah is here. These people helped spread the news that has eventually made it to our church. Isn't that amazing? Christianity can get a bad rep reputation for oppressing women. This comes from stories of churches that have not lived up to um, what we've been looking at this morning, how Paul and Jesus related to women. can also come from a misunderstanding of the roles that are talked about in the Bible. God gives men and women different roles in the family and in the kingdom. These roles are different, but they're equal roles to play. In these areas, the heart of the Bible is not men and women trying to dominate each other, like to run the world. It is men and women teaming together, complementing each other in a way that lifts each other up. And what you see in the Bible is that women are at the heart of God's kingdom advancing with their brothers in Christ. Mothers are a big part of the impacts that can be made in the world for God's kingdom. Take a look at this example. Jonathan Edwards was a Puritan preacher in the 1700s, and he and his wife, Sarah Edwards, had 11 children. A man by the name of A.E. Winship uh, tracked the Edwards kids and their descendants for the next 150 years. And as he was researching them, he concluded that much of their descendants' impact was due to Sarah. She was a woman devoted to God. She ed educated her children. That, and it, she just had a tremendous impact on her kids. Listen to the legacy 
over those next 150 years that this woman had. By the, by 1900, their descendants included 13 college presidents, 65 professors, 100 lawyers and a dean of a law school, 30 judges, 66 physicians and a dean of a medical school, 80 holders of public office, including three U.S. senators, mayors of three large cities, governors of three states, one vice president of the United States, one controller of the U.S. Treasury, and a 100 clergymen. This is an amazing legacy that Sarah Edwards had on the world. And her legacy, it probably felt like a bunch of mundane things. But as she attacked those mundane things in the day of taking care of, of the kids, educating them, as she did those, to the best of her ability, God used her to have a tremendous impact on her family, which had a tremendous impact on our country and the kingdom. A hundred pastors came out over the next 150 years. We started the message by asking the question, what difference does Christianity make in establishing the worth of a woman? Christianity values women as highly as men and children. God's ways are, are not to give more people, uh, give more value to people on a sliding scale based on their ethnicity or their economic status or if they're male or female or what country they live in or wh- whatever it is. People are valuable because they are made in God's image. So what does that mean for us personally? Well, each week we have some next steps that we like to encourage people to take in response to the message. Here's some next steps that you might want to take in response to this message. The first is I need to relate rightly to fill in the blank. Is there somebody that in your life it's just difficult to relate to them? God wants us to do right by them regardless of how they treat us. He wants us to do right by by people regardless of what the consequences might be for us. Is there somebody that you need to treat rightly? You need to treat them like they have the inherent worth that comes from being created by God. Another next step that you might want to take is to join a Sunday service team of men and women here at CIV. God wants us to team together to accomplish his purposes like we saw in Jesus' life. And we're going to need a lot of help As we go back to our building, we serve coffee. We want to have more kids classes. We want to greet people well so that they feel valued like we're talking about in, in this message. We need help with technology and safety. I want to invite you to join us, to help us. Uh, and join a Sunday service team. If you are interested in that, check the box on the back of the connection card. We'll follow up with you. And then the last next step you might want to take today is become a Christian and make Jesus the Lord of your life. Maybe this series is is helping you to see that God is real. Jesus died on the cross for your sins and you're ready to yield your life to Christ. Or maybe you feel like you're getting close or you're just, you have questions. You're you're wondering, what what do I need to do? If, If you're interested in becoming a follower of Christ, then check the box on the back that says, contact me about clarifying my commitment to Christ. And we will 
uh, reach out to you. And we'd love to have a conversation with you about that. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much that you have given us value. Our, our worth doesn't come from anything we can do. And just that is so comforting, Lord. And I just pray that you would help us to see our value the way in value, the way that you have made us and that we would see other people as valuable in your image. We treat them rightly that we team together to accomplish your purpose for our church and that you really use us to make an impact in the world so that people can come to know you. Their deepest needs are met. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.